Have you ever watched an apocalyptic sci-fi movie and wondered, could any of this really happen? I'm Carrie Bechet, and on Hypothetical, we explore what-if questions two ways, through speculative science fiction and through insight from the world's most brilliant scientists. And spoiler alert, your favorite sci-fi movies aren't nearly as far-fetched as you may think. Time travel with me into our possible futures on Hypothetical. New episodes every Tuesday available on all podcast apps. That's Hypothetical, H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L. Hey kids, it's Miles. Welcome to episode 66 of Please Advise. Thanks so much for being here. I'm having a great day. Christina Lopez, are you having a good day? I'm having an okay day. I had some dental work done, so... I know. I'm not feeling great. And then you have a root canal situation on your way? Yeah, so next week I actually have to go back and get a root canal. So super exciting. So Take care of your teeth, guys. Off the top, <laughs> you guys let us know if you have a root canal history. What are some good tips for Christina Lopez yeah. to get through this whole situation? Yeah, please. I'd really appreciate it. I I'm know. terrified, actually. I wish I could give you advice, but I feel like also everyone's experience with this sort of dental work is so radically different and also it's either it's usually either like not as bad as they thought once they get in there or like way worse and you don't really know what to prepare for um I pretty much he did it because the dentist cleaned it up today and he prescribed me like antibiotics to be on yeah so I don't think it's going to be as bad as if say he did it today or something like that. right that's good girl yeah cleaned it up i'm excited for you and all those fun pain medications you're gonna get <laughs> very jealous very yeah. cool very cool uh speaking of very cool i bought three seasons of seventh heaven on itunes this week it was my favorite show in fifth grade throughout like eighth grade my best friend and i would like run home from the library every monday night go to our houses or separate houses and then we'd watch seventh heaven and call each other during the commercials like I, my mom is here this week, so I'm able to kind of like get a frame of reference about what it was about the show that interested me so much. And I was like, mom, would I like laugh when I watch the show? She'd be like, no, sometimes you'd like cry a little bit. But like, I think you just really enjoyed like the family dynamics and the drama. And I said, it must have comforted you so much to know that your daughter like genuinely found this amusing. Your teenage daughter was like... <laughs> This, like whole worried about life. this Christian family drama but okay it's amazing have you ever watched it I did watch it I actually kind of want to touch on like so you bought it you spent money on it oh yeah but that guy was arrested Stephen for- Collins yeah, yeah. so I it's know. like uh I think that he will probably get maybe 10 cents yeah. from the sale of my DVD but yeah. I feel like the show has been pulled out of syndications <laughs> and a, a syndication on enough places that he's already kind of hurting so I don't think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just wonder, like, every time I buy a ticket to, like, a Woody Allen movie or every time I, like... Well, that's totally different. This is not a ticket. Okay, he is one Camden. It's called Seventh <laughs> Heaven. So there's seven of them. There's six other heavens. <laughs> there's several just- iterations of heaven. Yeah, there's seven of them. And then they grow to be even more. So. Yeah, so anyway, for season one, Lucy gets her period. Mary joins the girls' varsity basketball team. She gets kissed for the first time. Uh, Matt gets into a drunk driving accident with a girl. Matt 
uh, adopts an old woman to be his best friend. Lucy makes t- uh, friends with the town. Uh, what did they call him? The town boogeyman, an old man with a creepy crawly face. Aunt Julie comes to town. She's a brutal alcoholic. Don't worry. She comes back six episodes later and is a healed woman. Um, Annie's mother dies. Then Annie's father gets a new girlfriend named Ginger, like not even six months after. And then he brings her to church. It's a whole ordeal. So, I mean, really, oh, they get a dog. The dog has puppies. <laughs> it's it's Ruthie moves Wait, into Simon's Mar- room. She has an imaginary friend. Doesn't like the basketball coach inappropriately touch Mary too? I think that's going to be next season. Oh, okay. So, Sorry. come on. I'm trying to do it chronologically, but I will tell you. There that was, was the only storyline that I remember from that show. Mary got hit by a car. Oh, oh so much stuff. Uh, so, it's, it's um, I'm, I'm finding it really enjoyable because... Just the like the setup of everything is so simple and pure and like there's barely any trying in the direction in that sense. And I just like I'm like, these people just really want to get across this fucking Christian message. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) I don't know. I think it's kind of like funny and healing at the same time. It's very chill. I don't I do a lot of thinking, but I also do no thinking when I watch Seventh Heaven. Is that why you watch it? Because you don't it's like not too like you wouldn't say watch something like The West Wing or something like that is because that's too much thinking or? No, it's just what it is, is that it, it gives me an opportunity to witness situations that I would never witness in my life anymore. Like, because I don't watch entertainment that has that cheesiness to it or that simplicity or I don't like interact with people like that. Yeah. So it like fill it like. Uh, feeds my curiosity about what other people must live like. And then just the fact that they go through a disastrous thing. At least two of them live through an emotional or physical disaster each episode. Uh, It's kind of great. It's kind of great. So our guest today is an old friend of mine. His name is Jim Gibson. Hey. He's an old friend of yours too. I know. He's an old friend of yours too. I actually met you guys at the same time. At my birthday party. Yeah. yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so Jim, you're a writer and you're a man about town. You're also friends with several of our former podcast guests, including Leslie Grossman. I went to high school with Leslie Grossman. And Richard Rushfield. Went to high school with him too. I know. And what's so cool about that is that I really love all three of you. And I also love my other friends from Malibu. And it's like, that just must be, there's certain cities and places in the world where I'm like, oh, this is where all the good people are from. And, like, I didn't expect Malibu to be a place like that for me. But well, everyone... I don't think they're not from Malibu. Oh, um, I thought you were from Malibu. Well, I am. Um, oh. The school we went to was in Santa Monica. Oh. So but, oh, you went to Crossroads? Yeah, but before it was, quote, unquote, Crossroads. Like, it wasn't a nightmare when we went there. Right. It was the 80s, which is nightmarish enough, but it was still, it was more like a kind of a hippie alternative school kind of. And then when they started getting kids into good colleges and whatnot, it sort of became, oh, this is the school you have to send your kids to. And the whole attitude changed. And we were kind of on the cusp of that before it became like all monsters. Are there perks in life uh, for being a Crossroads alum? I don't know. I mean, I, I think like any kind of private school or something like that, I guess the perk is maybe 
a networking kind of thing. The Although community. you're not hustling it when you're a kid. You're just friends with who you're friends with. But right. I mean, you know, probably there's a higher preponderance of people who later in life, like, are in your field or something, especially if you're in entertainment. Right. So you have that kind of door maybe. Oh, no, definitely. Like, that's a big thing here is, like, I feel like kids who are from here immediately immediately identify one another as, like, crossroads kids in social situations. I've seen that. Or even in work, yeah. But I think – it's got to be organic. It's got to be, oh, I was actually friends with this person as opposed to, you know, 10 years later going, hey, man, remember, you know, like but it's, people oh. can smell that that fake kind of climbing, I think. Okay. Well, okay. Let me put it this way. Like with Boston College, like I was wearing a Boston College sweatshirt in a bathroom at Senor Frogs on my way to go vomit. And a girl grabbed me by the arm and she was like, oh, my God, you go to BC? And I was like, yeah. She's like, what year are you? I'm like, oh, six. And she's like, oh, dude, I'm freaking out. Like, that's so, like, you guys are so young. She's like, I graduated, like, 99 or something. She's like, are you just down here having fun? I'm like, I'm going to go moment. But, like, I think that, like, you do have a camaraderie just knowing that someone oh, yeah. was in your. There's a shared common reference. And there's yeah. a lot of people, actually, that I wasn't necessarily really tight with when I was in school. I only went there for two years. Yeah. I went to public school before that. But, um you know, you'll bump into someone five, ten years after the fact, and then it's like a, oh, hey, I remember you, even if you weren't only acquaintances at the time or something. Did you go to Malibu High? There wasn't a high school when I grew up there. I grew up in Malibu, and um, there was a uh, elementary school and a junior high. Yeah. And the high school was in Santa Monica. It was Sam Samo High, Santa yeah. Monica High. And um, they subsequently turned the campus of the junior high into a high school. Right. So if there had been a high school, I probably would have just gone to high school there. But I had to go to school in San Monica anyway. And uh, and the San Monica is a good school. But at the time, there was, I don't know, my mom wanted, there was some like a gang shooting or some shit like that. And my mom got all paranoid and wanted me to go to private school. I mean, I'm glad I did. But What's it like growing up in L.A.? Like, especially during the time, I feel like I know Ed's version. Like, what's your version of growing up in L.A.? Um, I love Los Angeles, you know. And I've lived here pretty much my entire life. I went to school back east for a couple of years. But other than that. I've always lived here I mean, since I was a baby. Yeah. And um, I've seen it change a lot. I think it's the rate of change has gotten kind of exponential. And I think in the last 10 years or so, it's completely changed. Because the great thing about L.A., at least when I was in like my 20s and stuff, was unlike cities like New York, you could be young and kind of broke but still kind of get by here. Right. And there was a, you know, you could find an apartment that was kind of cheap. And that's what's gotten crazy is everyone's I mean, getting priced out. I don't know how young people are doing it anymore. I was, I paid 650 a month to split up or 600 a month to split a one bedroom with my boyfriend in Koreatown when I first moved here. I don't know if that you can do that anymore. No, but I know. Yeah, I mean, I, even like a, a crappy studio is like $1,700 now or something. I mean, I used to yeah. have a place, this breaks my heart. It was one block off of Main Street near Ocean Park, down like where yeah. San Monica meets Venice. It was this 30s bungalow court. I paid $500 a month. And it was like all through my 20s. And then the owner sold it. And they were able to evict everyone because they were going to turn it into this like postmodern single family home. So since it wasn't going to be apartments anymore, they could kick everybody out. And it broke my heart. I mean, and I had this beautiful place. It was like in the 30s. That's and like, amazing. And then I had Not a place close. in Hollywood. Yeah. And it was like a two-bedroom on a really nice part of Hollywood, like right near where Hollywood Boulevard turns into Laurel Canyon around there. It was like eight fifty for a giant two-bedroom. 
Yeah. And that one, I was an idiot because I gave it up to move in with my now ex-girlfriend and it was rent control. And like the day I moved out, I saw it on Craigslist listed for like, you know, twice as much money. And I'm like, why did I give that up? <laughs> you know? Oh, God. But the thing is, in the last five years, even, I think it's, which is kind of ironic because you'd think with the economy crashing, it would have been a reverse, but like rents have gone up like 50, 60, 70%. I mean, it's insane. Right. And well, I don't no, know I what I actually you'd... was looking at, I was like, oh, let's see like what a house buying process would look like. So I just decided to look. My mortgage would be less than what I'm paying in rent right now by like $50. And that's with you know, house rates being like an all-time high, which are crazy. Right. I mean, my biggest regret is I well, never... Mortgage rates are at an all-time low. Well, they are, but I mean, the, you know, the prices. Oh, yeah. But my mom always used to say, like, her advice, and I, when I had money, I never did this, and I always should have. She was this very cantankerous, kind of like gravelly-voiced Jewish mother, and she'd say, units, get units. <laughs> like, buy an apartment building or something. And I right. wish I had, because <laughs> if I own property... I mean, I'm in my 40s, I don't own property, and I feel like a complete mm-hmm. loser, you know? And I'm no. Like flushing I don't think, rent down the toilet every month. No, I don't think you're a loser. I just think that that is a very good idea, though. Your mother has a units. very good idea. Units, Molly. Units. Yeah, units. <laughs> the only thing that freaks me out about that is that I would pour a bunch of money into paying someone to be like my property manager because I couldn't fucking run that shit. I can't be a landlord. You just I give them discounted rent, you though. Can you imagine me as a landlord? I'd be like, oh, you don't have my rent. Oh, okay. Cute place. All right. Oh. You have a ferret? Okay. Is that a- <laughs> I was more thinking like, oh, Molly, my pipe's busted. Oh, figure it out, girl. That's a sad journey. <laughs> no, no, I, I would know my legal it. responsibility. Yeah. Like, that's I'm why so I- sad for you. <laughs> yeah, no, I would never do that. Please. I um, had to move to a new place about a year ago, and um, I was in a, renting a house before that. But my landlord lives in the building, and he's kind of a trip. So I guess it's good in one hand that nothing yeah. gets too out of hand, but he's a little nutso. Yeah, I had the same situation in my last building. And like he would be, he would recognize someone's wrongdoing only when it served him. Right. So you would go and be like, um, I'm like 90% sure the guy downstairs is hitting his girlfriend. And he'd be like, <laughs> okay, well, why don't you call the police? And I'd be like, because I'm a single woman upstairs who lives alone. So, like, obviously it would be me. So, like, could you spearhead this operation? And he was like, not really. And I'm then, sorry, like, three months like later. When spousal he went, abuse. But. I know. And then three months later when he was supposed to, uh, when he was supposed to evict them, that's when he started to pay attention to all the crazy shit. Only when it served him. Only when it served him. That happens. He and mm-hmm. I, you know, I think he threw out one of my grandmother's heirloom plates that I left behind, but it's fine. Anyway, moving on. Uh, He'll suffer any afterlife. <laughs> do you want to do a couple quick table topics before you give us your three reasons that you're here to give advice? Like what? Like OT topic? I don't. Table topic. Oh, table topics. I'm sorry. It's not too scary. You'll be, I think. Yeah, you'll I'm be down for whatever. Fine. What celebrity couple makes the least sense to you? Oh, wow. That's a good one. Um, oh, Christina Hendricks and that, uh, that, girl, guy. <laughs> that guy, that one. I'm, I mean, I'm sure he's a, got a heart of gold and God bless him. But Right. But wait. So, okay, here's a good one. That Which guy, active... I don't even know his name. It's so No, horrible. I know. Why would you? 
which activists are the most annoying? I think the ones that perpetually have a chip on their shoulder and yeah. are almost like looking to be insulted instead of actually being insulted. I will say, I don't, I'm not, I can't answer your table topic for you, but I will say, I went to the Americana today to get Christina a milkshake and, um, in front of the fountain where all these little kids are playing and like mothers and generations, like grandmas, some guy had like a picture of a bloodied fetus saying like abortions kill, blah, blah. And I'm thinking to myself here, like this is not your audience. Like all these kids are alive. Like (laughs) go to a bar. What are you doing? Like, why are you at the Americana? So these, so like, these aren't your, these are, these people already probably vote like you. Yeah. And I think there's a thing where I think whatever cause you believe in, even if I don't personally believe in it, you know, if you want to be an activist, that's great. But I think a lot of activists now feel they have to be more provocateurs and and they're more interested in sort of being outrageous and getting attention. Yeah. And so being at like a little kiddie playground with a fountain with kids and doing that, that's not, you're not really symbolizing your- That's borderline Westboro Baptist to me though. Yeah, you're not- making a heartfelt plea for your case against abortion you're just trying to mess with people you know and you're just trying to make them uncomfortable and that's a totally different thing i mean yeah i i just like messing with them it's not worth it i've been told not to engage i don't engage engaging is the biggest problem well i was at a planned parenthood bingo night and like they showed up in droves and i was just like i didn't even know how they found out that it was like Planned Parenthood bingo night. And uh, it was really, really sad. And some guy came out and started arguing with him. And another guy followed him. He's like, hey, dude. He's like, I know. But like, we really encourage you not to engage them. Because like, we don't want any hands. Like, we don't want any of that in our organization. Well, and that's what they want. They probably have someone with a video camera waiting for someone yeah. to like lose their temper. Oh, it's then- never like a, an abortion, whatever. It, like the, when I... It's usually like a children's international kind of situation. Oh. Kind of like, don't you care about children? And like, they'll not inter- really. They'll interrupt the conversation that you're having with someone. Like, it, they don't care if you're not looking in their general direction. They don't care if you're like talking to someone. So usually, I just like, I either like, especially if they interrupt a conversation I'm having with someone, I'm just like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to tell my friend I have cancer. Right. Is it really that important? Did you really need to interrupt me right now? <laughs> Well, Which I is terrible. Maybe cancer. I'm like manifesting I hope you cancer. Don't have cancer. <laughs> I think just is if activists weren't rude, she has cancer. It's the Weird. rudeness that defeats yeah. the activist cause. Like if you just are polite activist, people will listen to you. Yeah. It's the honey and vinegar yeah. thing, you know. Uh, I had a guy yesterday walk up to me on the street in Glendale with um, several LA fitness coupons. And I'm like, you know, deep in my email, I'm walking down the street. All of a sudden the coupons come in my eyes and he's like, man, would you like a free day at LA fitness? I was like, ah! And and then when I realized what was going on, I was like, Jesus Christ, leave me alone. And I like, just like, I couldn't even believe it. Like, I couldn't believe that he was so unaware that that might be frightening yeah, to I mean, a person, like, in, involved in their own world. Yeah. You know? Okay, so. More table questions. Uh, one more. What topic do you know more about than anyone else? In- Probably movies, just because I'm, like, one of those nerds that from the age of, like, six was reading Variety every day and things like that. 
I feel like you're up all night watching movies. I used to be. I find, which is really depressing, I've somehow lost the attention span to watch a complete movie now. Right. And I'll just sort of turn it off halfway through and pick it up two weeks later. And that's terrible. I mean, you know. It's not terrible. At least you're still getting it in there. But it is, It you know, when you have other things to do in life, I find that that is the thing that makes it hard. It's like not so much that I have other things to do. It's more that my attention span has gotten that bad. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, like, will you just, like, I can't take it anymore? I got to go? Or I'll just tune out or I'll get up for a second and then forget I was watching. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting early stages dementia or something. I don't <laughs> I feel like I do that, but I don't have attention no, problems. I, I've had trouble, like, reading books lately. Like, I can't. See, it, I blame the internet. My, yeah. The internet completely warp my oh. brain and then and this isn't like an old fogey generational thing i can see it firsthand because i'm in my 40s right and so i had kind of a full life before i became like an online addict and i can really look back and say like you know it's like you know bc and ad like you know before when i had some concentration and after i was just you know completely shot and yeah. i literally have seen it fry my own brain so I have no doubt all the theories where people say, oh, there's this whole generation of kids and they're raised on iPhones and stuff. And it's it happened to me as an adult. So why wouldn't it be happening to kids that have no reference of anything before that, right? Word. Well, What's what that? about three reasons you're qualified to give advice on this show? Um, well, for one, for whatever reason... I've always sort of served as my friend's kind of unofficial therapist. Like everyone that always asks me stuff and I always seem to be able to like objectively analyze You're very what's happening good at that. and just be, okay, here's what you do. Even though I don't apply it to my own life, right? Because number two, I've made so many horrible, misguided decisions in my own life, just at every level, professionally, personally, educationally, that I feel I've been such a fuck up that I can kind of look at my own life and say, hey, don't do what I did to people. And it's, you know, and it actually is generally spot on. And I was a parent for a long time. I have, I have well, I, I call her my quasi-stepdaughter because her mother and I weren't married. And yeah. we were together for 10 years. And um, but I feel like she's my daughter. And I was there for raising her between the ages of like 8 and 18, you know, which are the really difficult years. I missed out on a little... I missed out on. You were the... so cute with her too. I remember, like you, like uh, emailing me, like right, right, like around the time we met, and you were like, "Hey, I'm taking her Halloween shopping, and like she doesn't want any like normal costumes." Yeah, like, I thought you might have advice on that. Or something. It was, no, it was great, but I just like most peep most parents don't even think like that, let alone the male parent think like that. So that's a very big thing. Yeah, we're and still also really the fact close. that you're so yeah, so involved. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a big thing. But that kind of gave me a sense of perspective, I think. So hopefully I can answer <laughs> advice now because of all that. Are you an expert on like teenage girls? <laughs> well, that's any way I answer that, that's gonna yeah, sound that's creepy, true. right? <laughs> no, yeah. I just remember this one story where you were talking to me about her and she was like really into Tumblr oh, and God. like Benedict Cumberbatch. And yeah. that was just like so cute how, how much you knew about Sherlock just it, through her own ex- like just it was hearing her talk about cute, it. So much. Except for when she started failing all her classes because she was spending like all night on fucking Tumblr. I mean, it was really was like like a heroin addict or something. It was crazy. And sometimes, you know, we'd turn off the internet in her room and try to like figure if we could control the Wi-Fi, maybe she wouldn't get on the web and she'd 
found the password of a neighbor's Wi-Fi. And I didn't ever want to read her Tumblr because it was kind of, it's like reading someone's diary. But sometimes I would quickly go to see when the last time she posted was to see if she was lying when she said she was doing her homework. And you'd look. <laughs> and she wasn't even, if she was writing like her own thing, like, you know, oh, this is what's going on in my life right now. Or this, you know, this, my parents are being unfair to me. That's cool. She was doing like, just reblogs the way those like lab rats where like the mouse hits the lever with the cocaine and there'd be like 50 reblogs within the space of an hour that were all like Sherlock reblogs just like reblog 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 you know and I'm like how could you just sit there and hit the reblog button like five times a minute like what the fuck is wrong with you and you have a term paper due tomorrow like dude you know yeah but yeah, she's a sweet a kid with a good heart is, yeah it's amazing time yeah <laughs> Um, okay, so now I'm going to ask you three questions. Go for it. Uh, what's your biggest regret? Oh, fuck. <laughs> what isn't? Um, Being alive. No. Um, <laughs> I, I try not to dwell on that too much. I mean, I think there are a lot of regrets or roads not taken or choices I made that were bad, but I'm kind of of the belief that, you know, you don't really get do-overs and you have to kind of make the most of it or figure out what you can learn from it. So, you know, but I mean, there has to be something that you're like, oh, could I just like, there are like some romantic things. There was, there was, uh, there was a girlfriend I had before my last really long-term relationship. And, um, she wanted to get married and I wasn't, and I didn't, I wasn't really ready. And I sort of like, I don't know, because in retrospect, I think I was just being kind of an idiot. And it's not so much like I'm pining away for her. She's married now, has a kid, and we're friendly, and God bless her, you know. And actually... How she, old were you when you were dating her? Like early 30s, you know? Yeah. And so it was like... And it was just one of those, like, where I wasn't really ready to commit, so I kind of found ways to sort of sabotage the relationship a little bit. I mean, I wasn't really a cad or anything, but I just... Right. You know? And then the irony of that is within, like, six months, I got into this long-term thing where all of a sudden I was a de facto parent. So like, what the fuck? I go, you're not ready for that kind of commitment. And then you leap into the other one, you know? Yeah. I mean, there are things like that. There are some professional regrets, like uh, job opportunities I had, like completely scorched and things like that. But I don't know. I try not to live in regret. Okay. That's fair. Um, (laughs) Two, city or town that you visited that you've learned the most from? Oh, wow. Um, That is a great question. Thanks. Came up with it myself. <laughs> uh, learn the most. I, in what, huh? Any way you interpret that. Maybe information, maybe the most about yourself, maybe the most about the people you were with, um, maybe the most about, you know, what's wrong with the world. I don't know. That makes sense. I guess New York, you know? Oh, okay. I mean, I went to college in New York City mm-hmm. and, uh, it was a great time to be in New York City because it was, it, again, it was before it became like all hedge fund dudes and right. you know, international money launderers and stuff. And you could sort of, there was a scene, you know, and um, just domestic money launderers. Well, you know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, New York always was more prohibitive than LA, but it wasn't right. like it is now, you know. And it was the late 80s, which was a good time to be there. And it's kind of before Sexy. Times Square got cleaned up and everything. Yeah. And Post-AIDS, though. That's not chill. Yeah, it was kind of during AIDS, right? Yeah. Like all the stuff. AIDS was raging. AIDS was I raging. I would say you wanted to get to New York pre-AIDS. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I'd like to say you should probably get to everywhere. Pre-age. If you got to New York pre-age, you probably got it. Like so. that, you're, I'm, you're talking about days when like S- any STD you could have possibly had would be cured with a shot of penicillin. Yeah, I'm talking about those days. <laughs> and they had like this. What's that place? That's that Spike Lee movie, uh, Son of S- Summer of Sam. And yes, the, the Plato's Retreat, like the oh, weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gig. But um, I want to go to Spike Lee's New York. Like, yeah, right. New York yeah. Spike Lee captured. But I learned a lot, I think, because as someone who was interested in movies and wanting to be a filmmaker and writer, I mean, it was like Valhalla, right? It was like there were maybe 20 separate revival houses going on there. I mean, literally, there was there was. And so I would ditch class and go see like three movies a day. Yeah. But there'd be like, you can go. Like old movies, you know, you could go to like Mama. There was a, there was a film forum which is still there. There was a, a blah, 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 house called Athalia up in Upper West Side. There was like a place on St. Mark. I mean, it was crazy. And any given day, there'd be like fifteen amazing classic movies showing, and that would just be like my education. So I would just go and like watch movies obsessively, obsessively, and like yeah. every classic, and it just filled every gap in my knowledge, kind of, you know. And it was like. It was great, but I also learned from it that I didn't really want to be in New York. I, I, it's very, um, I just like LA. I like the pace of LA better. New York's just a little too much, and, and in, it's a great city, but you can get really miserable there if you're not do- making money or don't have a good job right away, and it can get really disheartening. And and so I knew that I didn't want to live that life, kind of. Yeah. But I soaked it all up while I was there. It was a lot. Of I can, yeah, I completely understand that, and that's like I think a nice amount of time to spend in New York. That's, I think, if you're not built to live there, that's about the amount yeah. of time you spend there. And you're living in the dormitories and stuff, so you don't have to worry about right. and things like that. Um, okay, question number three. Best restaurant, to, <laughs> best restaurant to eat at in L.A.? One fancy, one casual. Oh, wow. Um, you've got Jonathan Gold coming on in a future podcast. <laughs> I know, but... Um, my... I have a soft spot. Um, there's a great, great, great. I haven't been in a couple of years, so I'm assuming it's still good. There's an amazing sushi place in the valley uh, called Asanebo, okay. which is uh, like right near the CBS studios, like Ventura, kind of near Laurel Canyon. And it's sushi and omakase, but also cooked stuff. It's just great. That's like the best date place you could go. I mean, it doesn't have all the ambiance, but the food is like, amazing awesome and then um for hole in the wall i'm just a big barbecue whore i just love barbecue barbecue. so um my favorite is phillips uh which is on crenshaw just south of the 10 oh okay and it's amazing it's kind of takeout only but yeah. it's no, they also I like have a that. branch in Lemire. They have a branch in Lemire park also and i love texas best barbecue and, haven't been um, there i think it's in burbank it's unreal love it there's a bar next door called Bill's. You can order the barbecue through the window. Or oh, you can have to take check it out. It's really good. The funny thing about Phillips is it's kind of considered the gold standard of like black LA barbecue, right? And um, the one in Lemire Park is very weird because literally just sort of like this shack you, you, and you have to just pick it up, but they've got those huge thick glass windows like they have at the banks, like the bulletproof, you know, and, and the little plastic box, they pass it through because yeah. maybe they've been jacked before. I don't know. But I remember going to get barbecue there once with my stepdaughter when she was about nine and we were picking it up to bring home. 
And they were doing that kind of snobby thing that happens a lot at Asian restaurants where they're like, oh, you're white. You can't handle spicy, right? Yeah. So they said, I said, oh, give me a pound of brisket. And they go, what kind of sauce? I said, hot. And they go, are you sure? Hot? It's, the hot's really hot. And I'm like, yes, I'm fucking sure. Just give me the hot sauce. Yeah. And the guy goes like five times, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. And he's like, maybe you should taste it first, like really patronizing. So he hands a spoon through the slot, right? And my stepdaughter, who's nine, just takes it, puts it in her mouth, doesn't even flinch, just, yeah, it's fine. And then he's like, okay, okay. <laughs> so it's like the nine-year-old girl wasn't even phased by the hot sauce. Like, why are you fucking with me? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but the barbecue is so good that I still continue to go there, even though they treated me like that, you know? Yeah. And it's like really nice down-home place. It's great. That's awesome. I recommend it. Delish. I love hot. Okay. Um, Who doesn't? I know. Hot's the best flavor. Oh, you don't like the hot? I do not like spicy you don't, food. She doesn't like the hot. What, does it hurt your stomach or I just your tongue or what? Yeah, it hurts. My, I, I don't understand why people like spicy food because to me, my mouth is on fire and I can't taste the food. Yeah, that's, that what, can happen. that's what's good about it. Why? You're supposed to taste food. Well, no, <laughs> I can taste it. I can just, it's, my mouth is also on fire. It's like painful. Like I can't even enjoy I the experience. I find it to be very cathartic. Sometimes I find you sweat, that to be the like when I have Thai food, that's really spicy. Why would you want that? I, I love going to like Chitlada and getting sweated out oh. or like really spicy Indian food. Chitlada's or like, great. It's so good. I don't, I don't get you people. And people are always surprised by that because I am a Hispanic person. Right. Um, so they just assume that all Hispanic people like spicy food. Ed doesn't food. like spice and he's Panamanian. That's the thing. Like not all Hispanic food is spicy. So, yeah. B, do you like spice? B's half Mexican. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Well, Mexican <laughs> food can be spicy, but Puerto Rican food and like a lot of Caribbean yeah. area food is not spicy. Yeah, you don't see much like Cuban, Cuban food, food that's spicy. spicy. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So... My Sucks brother to be Cuban. Is, is <laughs> no, it's a, awesome. <laughs> my brother's it's really foodie. salty and savory, and that's, I love Cuban yeah. food. I had it for breakfast. I don't know. Oh, nice. Did you really? My brother's a big foodie, and he would always like try to seek out the places, especially Thai food, things like that. And there was this one place um, on Hollywood Boulevard in this mini mall near next to a Seven Eleven, and it's called Yai Y A I. I think it's near kind of like where UCB. It's sort of okay. around there, and. Um, it's the spiciest food. And after we ate there, the next day he was like, now I know why they call it yai, because that's what you say in the bathroom the next morning. <laughs> you know? I was like, yai! Um, sorry for the toilet that's humor. That's really funny. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, uh, it's fine. Let's take our calls. <laughs> um, your, uh, your voicemail is funny, especially the end, but... Hey, Malf, um, I am calling with a question because uh, I'm, I'm in a steady relationship now for a few months, and we're both, like, pretty successful. We're, well, we're both, like, professional students, I guess you could say, so in the, in the grad school and beyond realm uh, without getting into too many boring details. But my girlfriend is uh, basically, like, saying, like, we have sex pretty regularly, like, two or three times a week, but sometimes... Uh, she just doesn't seem to be feeling it. And I don't think that it's anything on my part that, like, I'm not doing anything, like, sweet or romantic or trying to be spontaneous. Her, her thing is just that she says, I'm exhausted and I'm tired and stuff like that. And so I don't know if I can speak for all guys, but I can definitely speak for me. But um, no matter how tired or exhausted or busy I am, I can always find time to have sex. And so I was just wondering, because you're a very busy and smart and successful woman, 
insights might be on this. Uh, also, you have a good sense of humor, and sometimes my girlfriend, when she's, you know, super worn out, she can't she can't joke around about it the way that you probably could um, on a pod. So it would just be interesting to hear your your thoughts. And I know it's hard to say that men are X way and women are Y way, or vice versa would be more fitting. But um, yeah, if you want to shoot the shit, or if you just want to address this question based on my voicemail, I probably sound like a dickhead, but whatever. Um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Please advise. Love you. Bye. Well, I appreciate the call, but just so you know, this is never something that I would call you about because I don't think it would be appropriate for you and I to discuss your sex life with your girlfriend when neither you or I is your girlfriend and we'd just be stabbing at the air. Um, So I'll just tell you what I think. I think you're right that no matter how tired you are, you can usually find energy for sex unless you're just really, really, really fucking tired. And also you're maybe not as into the person as you once were be a pretty lethal combo uh, in that department. And it's natural for over times for things to slow down or whatever. But, um, you know, when you said we have sex regularly and then you said two or three times a week, I didn't even think that was that much to begin with. So what are you talking? One day a week now? Once every two weeks? Like, where are we at? If you're in once every two weeks, I would, uh, I, you, you're in trouble. That's the trouble zone, I think. Jim? It's not just the quantity because the key thing he said was even when they have it, she's quote unquote not feeling it. Yeah. And he's saying, oh, maybe I'm not doing something right. I think what you're not doing right, bro, is you're not really listening or you're not or you're taking what she's saying at face value of, oh, I'm just too tired or I'm just too busy. There's obviously something deeper going on. And without being like a confrontational dick, you have to kind of find a way to suss out what's happening because I think – problems sometimes with sex and relationship are more symptomatic of something deeper and it's not just the oh i'm not good in bed or just you know whatever i think it's something's going on where she's not feeling it towards you yeah and it's not just in the sack you know and you have to get to the bottom of that and kind of figure it out and be a little more intuitive or but it may not also just be a reaction to how she feels about him it could be the way she feels about herself um it could she could be really depressed i know something like depression can just Kill your sex drive. Of she un- has her medications. She have her medications changed lately. That can be a huge thing. Is her diet differently? Is she working out more? Is she working out less? Like, have there been any changes in her life? But is the key is something is going on in her life. And if right. you are her partner, you need to sort of try to find out what's happening. And if it's something that she's having problems with, try to help her, you yeah. know, or get to the bottom of it and not just be go on the surface level of, oh, wait. She's not, you know, having an orgasm every time we have sex. Ergo, you know, I'm, you know, there's something else going on. Yeah, it does sound like there's something that's not being addressed either. Or she could just be unhappy. Yeah, and he's saying she doesn't joke much and she, there's something, she's sort of stiff-arming him a little bit. checked out. Yeah. But here's my thought on this. But not in a malicious way. There's something going on in her life. But like, yeah, that's, this is, this is the thing though. You cannot take this personally even if she does have a problem with you because when someone has a problem with you, it's usually about them processing whatever it is you're doing. You're you're most likely not the problem. She should dump you if you're the problem. So 
I kind of I kind of think that she's probably going through some sort of depression or moment where she is processing something through a lens where like being comfortable with you just isn't an option. I don't know. I I think you should tell her like, should we break up? Would that make you more comfortable? Would that give you the time and space you need? I want to nurture you. And if the best thing to do for you is to not be in a relationship right now, then by all means. Because you don't want to be with someone who's phoning it in. Yeah. And don't be confrontational about it. Like, no. hey, what's going on? Just like, hey, is there something going on? Well, with that's the thing. It, yeah, I didn't mean get confrontational. But no, no, no. find out what's going on in her life. And if she's having trouble with something, try to help her. Yeah. And maybe that will bring you guys closer together in that level, even if it's not necessarily sexual. Yeah. You know? Okay. Next call. Hi, Malls. It's Hannah. Um, I'm 22 and live in New York. I'm from Texas. And I just have a minor problem, nothing too crazy. But I hooked up this guy a couple of months ago that was like friends of friends. It's a messy situation. And since then, he has a new girlfriend. And I've been dating around. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. But I still have his T-shirt from the time we hooked up. And he's mentioned a couple of times before he had his girlfriend that he wanted it back. And now I just don't know if it's still appropriate to, like, give back his T-shirt. It's kind of awkward now, and I just don't know if I should try or just keep it. Or I mean, I like the T-shirt. It's nice. It's comfortable. I, I want to wear it to bed, but, like, is that kind of weird? I don't know. And I just thought that it's a great time to ask you. You might know what to do with the whole T-shirt dilemma. Thank you. Hope to hear from you. Bye. Hannah, once you put a piece of clothing on your body that belongs to a guy, you automatically own it forever. That's the rule. That's the rule. The fact that he even asked for his T-shirt back tells me that he was probably a virgin before her because everyone knows you keep the guy's shirt. Come on. Please. Everyone knows this. I did not That's notice. why guys get crazy sometimes. About, oh, don't take that sweatshirt. Because they know you're never giving it back. Because the rule is, those are your trophies. Those are th- those are your comfy clothes. You're right, Hannah. It is nice to sleep in because you want to know why? That is earned. So there you go. Next call. Wait, yeah. Jim, you, have you wear <laughs> this call? Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. But I think also the guys being kind of a sleaze because it's sort of like that cliche you always hear, which isn't really true about, you know, like women leaving an earring or something because they really want to call you. This guy kind of did that, or even if he didn't, even he's moved on, he has a new girl, but he's trying to use that shirt as like a wedge to sort of like keep his options open and be well, like, oh, hey girl, you still it. have my t-shirt. Oh, maybe I could pick it up and, you know, and we could hook up again and I can cheat on my new girlfriend even though I moved on. Yeah. So well, I would say, fuck he- the guy, keep the shirt, tell him you gave it to Goodwill, do what you want with it. The thing was is that she said as soon as he got a new girlfriend, he stopped asking for the T-shirt back. So I think you're right and that he was just trying to get the shirt back. But now it's like. Yeah, he's moved on. You move on. And you shouldn't be facilitating him being a lech if he's still trying to, like, get the shirt back. Just tell him, oh, you know what? I don't have it anymore. Sorry. The right thing is to stay out of his life. Yeah. And keep that shirt because it's yours. And hang it on your wall like it was like a deer's head or something. Yes. Hey there, Molly, Christina, and your incredibly insightful guest. I'm calling for advice about my daughter, 
for my daughter. Whenever you asked her what she wanted to be when she grew up, ever since she was 10, her answer was always YouTuber. She wants to be a YouTuber. I told her that she couldn't start any social media accounts until she was 13, and that day is fast approaching. I've been on the internet since way back in the message board days, and I know how great the internet can be and how scary it can be. I'm looking for advice on how to encourage her and protect her at the same time. I'm also looking to figure out what the next cool thing is. I know Molly has always been ahead of the curve when it comes to things like this. What do you think she should get her foot in? Thanks. Please advise. Hmm. Thoughts? Um, I think it's sort of a fool's errand to think you can completely insulate your kid from the internet and its corruptive influence, even though it is. And I think it's one of those things that the more you try to put restrictions, the more a kid will try to go behind your back and you make it in the forbidden fruit. So I think, well, it's fine to say, hey, wait till you're 13. I mean, that's that's a normal thing. Once she's 13, she's going to be on the internet and take it from my experience trying to restrict my stepdaughter's internet use for so that she would concentrate on her studies. If you try to turn the Wi-Fi off, she'll find a back door. You should, they'll always find a back door. Right. So don't turn it into a confrontational thing. Um, you know, and then it doesn't become like, you know, like telling a kid not to eat candy. All they want is candy. Same thing. Right. Now, as far as her saying her life's ambition is to be a YouTuber, that's a kind of a different issue. I mean, hopefully she has other hopes and dreams that don't completely revolve around the internet. I, I mean, I don't know if she wants to be a YouTube celebrity or something. That's the thing. I'm, I'm, I know by YouTube star, that probably means like in the vein of like Grace Helbig or Shane Dawson or Onision or whatever those people are that do little like sketches. Right. And I know that now there's a whole new world for girls yeah, doing like um, hair tutorials. and like, these are my girlfriends and like this shopping haul or whatever. Um, here are some ways that I would suggest you could protect a 13-year-old. Uh, and I think that, you know, if she wants to be a YouTube star, I really don't know anything about the cutting edge, but I would say um, is I think it'd be really cool if your daughter um, kind of broke away from the pack um, and did something a little bit different than what we're seeing a lot of now. Um, I mean, like, she shouldn't try to look like Ariana Grande and, like, give advice about adult topics or infantile topics um, unless she's genuinely interested in them. I think it just needs to be, I think someone, I think authenticity is what does very well online. People relate to it. Or really cartoonish stuff. And I just wouldn't start out a 13-year-old being cartoonish if you can avoid it because then that's just going to have a hold over what she thinks her personality needs to be like. Um, I could, I would imagine uh, shutting off comments would be a smart idea. Um, you can keep yeah, her Twitter or her Instagram account in the links to them in the bio of the video. But keeping comments shut, well, it probably um, – will suck at first because she won't be able to see the results as immediately as she would otherwise. Um, it's probably just better. Um, and then also guidelines have always been really my big thing with blogging and vlogging and everything. Like I talk about my parents, but I never say anything about them or my family that would disgrace them or make them feel badly or embarrass them. Um, my whole goal was like, I never wanted to make my mother cry. So I don't know how you translate that for a 13 year old, but really ask her to like, say like, what are your, this is an excellent 
opportunity to kind of inventory her priorities and what it is she, what is it about being a quote unquote Utah, YouTube star, Utah store, what? YouTube star <laughs> that appeals to her. Um, I, uh, is it the opportunity to speak her voice? Is it the idea that she's getting seen? Um, does she think she's funny? Is she a good singer? Is she all of the above? Does she like directing, like creating stories that yeah. way? Yeah. Right. I mean, I was going to add, if it's a thing where she wants to be a performer, then, you know, encourage that in other ways. Like, does she have a theater program at her school or, or, or music or whatever it is she's into? And if she is, a lot of people are kind of bigger than life and a lot of people really do want to become actors. And that's great. My father was an actor professionally. I mean, I do not look down on people who want to be performers. I think it's a beautiful thing. And I think you should go for it and give it your all. But I mean, I think there are other ways to manifest it. Like she could be doing theater at school. And so it's Absolutely. not just about her videos, but she could apply what she learns from being a good performer and getting training to her videos. That was the know? thing that I always really loved about the internet was starting even in college. It just was a place where I could talk about things and be a version of myself that I was afraid to be at school. And that was really important for me uh, to have that. So I, you know, I, I really do think having an outlet like this is, is good. I am um, one final suggestion though, based off of something Christina just said, I always had to figure out everything out on my own because no one in my house knew how to use computers. So I taught myself how to edit. I taught myself, I mean, granted I wound up going to college and like learning how to use final cut and everything, yeah, but, um, I really suggest you don't help your daughter. Um, maybe if you want to buy her a camera for her birthday, but it's on her to read the manual and set it up. Um, a lot, you can be interested in something, but it's another thing to have a passion and a drive for it. And if this is something that she'd like to think about as a career, she really needs to understand all sides of it. There's, It doesn't behoove you to be like, the Britney Spears of YouTubing where it's like you show up and the track and the lyrics are written. Like she needs to do everything from writing the sketches to editing them, to uploading them and tagging them properly on YouTube. Um, and this is all great stuff for her to learn because even if she doesn't wind up becoming a YouTube star, these are things you need to know for all sorts of jobs in the future. Tagging, searchability, all sorts of things helps you a lot in life. Any final words, kids? Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't stress too much on it. I think. I think you've been smart to wait till she's thirteen to put that kind of limit on, and then just just make sure it doesn't get out of hand or go in directions you don't want it to. But I don't think you should try to stifle it or repress it because that will there'll be blowback if you do that. You know. I'm excited for this journey. Happy thirteenth birthday! Tell yeah. your daughter that I got my first period on her thirteenth <laughs> birthday. So. On her 13th birthday? Um, so my your thir I, first I, period's I, happening in the future? Like a yes, Terminator movie? No, yeah. my 13th birthday. So <laughs> it gets better. Okay, next call. Hey, Mal. This is Lucy. Um, I actually left an email before, and I think it was kind of, I didn't write it clearly enough. And um, it was the one about the orphanage, and I was actually adopted, so I, I should have said I didn't grow up in an orphanage. Anyways, besides the point, but my boyfriend and I have totally worked it out, and we have clear, honest communication. And anyway, so what I'm calling about is um, Jackie Johnson and the whole Shia busting and how she, like, manifested him into her life and all this stuff. Anyway, so I live in Bozeman, Montana, and there is this um, rapper who actually I'm, like, super obsessed with, always play him. Anyways, I had absolutely no idea I would ever meet him. His name is Mad Child. 
And I um, hit him up when I heard that he was actually coming to town. I'm 20, so I won't be able to see his show. So I was like, because um, it's 21 and over. Anyway, so I called, or I didn't call. I messaged him on Instagram. He messaged me back. And then one thing led to another. And um, we're actually, he's coming in, I hope, unless he, like, flakes. But he said he was going to come into my um, place where I work, and he's going to eat lunch, and I told him it's on me. Anyways, I just want to say thank you to Jackie, Jackie Johnson, and, yeah, the manifestation does work. So, awesome. Um, thank you for everything, and you guys are totally awesome. Okay, I said awesome way too many times. Okay, uh, have an awesome day. Fuck. Okay, bye. Um, okay. I'm very excited for you. First of all, I do love Jackie Johnson and her Shia LaBeouf manifestation, but what you did was not manifestation. You sent a direct message to his Instagram, which is more of a Molly McAleer move. Uh, but Jackie, yes. I mean, look, all I have to say is no matter how you go for it, we support going for it. And that goes for all of you. Stalk all your favorite celebrities. Uh, Jim, any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, Exactly. You're young. You like this artist. Like, great. The only thing that gives me a little bit of pause is you led in your preamble by saying you have really good communication with your boyfriend now and have patched things up. So if you're in a relationship and uh, I think you want to meet this guy for fan. more than a fan, I would say then maybe, you know, break up with your boyfriend first or don't, you know, cuckold people. I don't think it's good karma. But, and I'm not saying your interest in this rapper is necessarily sexual, but in his eyes just be upfront about it with your boyfriend yeah exactly you know and he might be viewing you as a groupie even if you're not and you have to be you know a lot of rock stars and people like that they sort of tour a lot and they sort of yeah. you know so i don't know i kind of have faith that he's just coming in for lunch because I this girl's so. like a big fan and she's paying for the lunch i right. hope so you yeah know, god bless but I know. If you're, you know. Well, no, I know because she doesn't even know what's about to hit her. She lives. She's out in Bozeman, Montana. She's not seeing a lot. And trust me, they can be very intoxicating. Those powerful men. <laughs> All right, next call. <laughs> hey, Miles. It's Molly and Molly, twenty nine, Brooklyn. Um, we have a question for you regarding our best friend. Yeah, this is a girl who we love, and we went to college with her, and we all kind of had ups and downs with the relationship, and just, like, stood by each other's sides, and that's really the, like, the bottom line heart of our relationship is being supportive to each other, and, like, happy for each other in successes. So, our friend in college had, like, her great love, you know, the one where, like, there's a lot of, like, crying and fighting and making up and sneaking around, and, um... It was just, like, a really special relationship at the end of the day, and it was, like, her first real love. So she's kind of moved – I mean, she has moved on, but we know that there's a part of her that's always going to recognize that first great love. But she's planning on getting married to someone else in September. And the someone else, like, as far as we're concerned, she's just kind of a bitch. But that's, you know, whatever. Um, she doesn't really share the same values as our friends, which is hard too, but again, whatever, it's not our decision. Um, all of the circumstances about this marriage though don't feel right to us 
and we're wondering if we just need to sideline that and say, okay, well, we support you. Yeah, like, you're getting married. That's so exciting. Or do we fucking dare speak up and say something? Because we could lose that. We could lose this girl. Yeah. And we don't, like, do we just need to get over it? Like, maybe there's shit that we don't know that makes this relationship so great. But it's... Right. Like, we could be holding on to her like she's not a great love. You know what I mean? Like, we're... Yeah. But I don't think we're living in the past. Like, we really want to be supportive of her. And we want her to have the best life. But, like, we've been ruminating on this for so long. And, like... I kind of, I do feel like we're meddling at this point just because we talk about it all the time. Yeah. It just doesn't feel right in our bones. So do we just need to shut the fuck up? Yeah. And I feel like the only way we can get over it is for you, Mal, <laughs> to tell us what to do. <laughs> Please advise. Thanks so much. Love you. Bye. Three Mollies. Love it. Yeah. Molly, Molly, and Molly want to know what Molly thinks about Molly. Okay, so um, this is really complicated. Uh, it sucks. I assume, by the way, I was a little having a little bit trouble tracking. I assume your friend is marrying a woman, and that's why you were saying she's just a bitch. I think the she was because she's a wife. Okay, got it, got it, cool. All right, that said, um, hmm. I think that you might lose her if she marries this person, but you have a greater chance of losing her if you try to tell her that her marriage is going to be a joke or is bad or whatever. At least this way, because you believe your friend has good common sense, if you lose her, it will only be temporary because eventually she'll figure out that she is losing her friends and... Uh, go back to her normal life or as close to it as she can get. I think she will. I, I think you can, if you can stay in her life for as long as you can, and that plan would be to not say anything. Jim? I agree 100%. Um, I mean, I'm old enough that I've had a lot of friends who've gotten married and subsequently have gotten divorced. And at the time, even in some of these marriages that ended in divorce, a lot of our mutual friends were like, Ugh, why is she marrying him or why is she marrying her? But you cannot say anything because once someone has made a decision to marry somebody, it's like the right. third rail of a relationship and you either have to be with them or you lose them as a friend. It's like you can't Absolutely. make fun of somebody. You can't talk shit about somebody's spouse and you can't talk shit about their family. And those are like friendship destroyers. So even if you have misgivings, you pretty much have to keep them to yourself and assume, hey – our friend has decided to marry this other person. You know, I don't have to like the other person. I love my friend. And if down the line the friend finds out, you know, it didn't wasn't meant to be and ends up getting a divorce, you know, you can talk shit later, but you got to bite your tongue for now. And it's especially if it's a fiance. If it was just like her girlfriend or something, you might be able to even then it's hard. But if she's decided, if she's talking marriage, like she has made a decision in her mind and you're not going to talk her out of it. I mean, I'll just throw this out there for you. I had an ex and I found out through another party that a friend of mine, even when I was with the ex and even after, was going around telling everyone how much he hated my ex and how he thought my ex was controlling my life and that I 
wasn't being, wasn't going after my full potential and all this stuff. And even though I heard this after this ex and I broke up, I fucking hate that guy because how, don't talk about people I love like that. Going around town, talking to people that, by the way, care about me more than they care about you. So that's why it's coming back to me. People have to start being careful about who they talk to and about what they talk about. And that's just very important. And especially more so than even an ordinary relationship. In a marriage, no one really knows what the hell's going on except the two people in it. And from the outside, you really can't judge. You don't know. Right. You don't know what brings them together. And, you know, I hope... For your friend's sake, she's making the right decision. But even if she doesn't, and she has to arrive at that herself, you can't tell her from outside. You know, it's true. I mean, there's endless amounts of ways this girl, this partner, could be fulfilling her needs that no one ever has before. Maybe she has a better understanding of a certain family dynamic she grew up in, or a loss she's experienced, or a particularly difficult time in her life. Maybe this is the first person she's ever met who's made her feel validated on those very important levels. And so the fact that she doesn't necessarily operate the same way socially as her entire group of friends doesn't really matter as much. And in fact, I have to say, I kind of like dating someone who's a little bit different than my friends. Then I would just date my friends. And don't let it color your dealings with her either, even if you actively dislike the spouse. No, you're a sweetheart. Be her friend, be there for her so she has a support system. Because sometimes what happens is... The friends all drop away and then it becomes like a cult or something. And the only person they bond with is the spouse because they feel like they've alienated all their friends. Don't make her feel that way. If you love her, you love her. Be there in her life for her as much as she wants you to be. And also be around the spouse as much as she would be around your significant others. Because just you don't want to overcompensate. Now, all of a sudden, anytime you invite your old friend out, you have she has to bring her wife because and then you feel guilty about it or you always feel the need to include her. If all of you aren't bringing your significant others out, I don't know. I don't I don't see that you have to be around her all the time. You can still have all like your friend's girls night or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, thankfully, you won't really have to deal with her all that much. Exactly. All right. Next call. Oh, that's our calls. Those are all our calls. I want to get your social information. You're at Diet Cock on Twitter and on Instagram. I don't do the Instagram. No Instagram for you. And on Just Tumblr. Twi- Twitter. On Tumblr, I think it's formerly Diet Cock. I-, I don't really do Tumblr anymore. Okay. It's all Poshmark ads every five seconds. I can't deal with it. I know. I don't really do it either. Anymore. Yeah. Uh, but God bless Tumblr. That's one of our many. Yeah, that's how we bought One of our meaning points. Um. So, Jim, uh, do you have anything going on that you want to talk about before we sign off? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys, then that was our show. Call us at 323-450-7408. Email askpleaseadvise at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at please underscore advise. We're on soundcloud.com slash please advise. Instagram, Facebook, you can find us. We're also on iTunes, PLZ Advise. And once again, that number is 323 Four five zero seven four zero eight. For, for Mary out there. <laughs> hey Mary. Mary. <laughs> um, okay. That was please advise. Thanks for listening. <laughs>